What's up, podcast world? Here we are again. This life ain't for everybody. Hope you all had a wonderful Independence Day weekend, holiday, 4th of July, fireworks. That's what we're all trying to create daily in our lives. See those fireworks, feel that giddiness, that anticipation, being fired up. Sometimes we look forward to the grand finale, but sometimes I also am like, man, I want to wait a minute before that grand finale because everything leading up to that, the journey, the camaraderie, the stories, the excursions, the experiences, that's what all matters to me. I'm not ready for the grand finale. And when the grand finale got over um, on 4th of July this last couple of days, I was sit there, I sat there and thought like, man, the sky's just dark now. We just experienced like 20 minutes of pure ecstasy and then it goes dark and I started to compare that to life of like that's kind of like how we're living is like when does it go dark I don't want it to go dark for a long time I want the fireworks to keep popping off that's why I'm so blessed to be able to live the life that I have and I know y'all are so blessed to live the lives that you have in today's episode as always is supported and presented by the one and only Jack Daniels Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for supporting our lifestyle, our culture, and being behind us as we take this trek that we call life. Y'all support the partners and sponsors that support us, and thank y'all so much for listening to This Life Ain't For Everybody. My guest today, his name is David Meltzer. He is a business guru, and when you read his bio, you're like, Damn, man, you've uh, you've done it. You've lived it, and he continues to live it. He's got some missions in life. He's got some goals in life, and one of his goals is one that you're like, well, how in the hell could you ever fathom that up in your head or ever think that you could do that? I believe it's to make one billion people happy, happier, their best versions of themselves. That's a heck of a goal. And he's on his way doing that through his businesses, his leadership, um, his podcast, his seminars, his, his, uh, all of his social media, he's got it going on. David Meltzer, welcome to the show, my man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Just one thing, don't limit yourself, man. I want to empower over, over a billion people, a billion. never limit ourselves, man. It's an, an infinite, an infinity world. We live in a limitless world as you've proven yourself. And, uh, my mission is one that, uh, I never thought I'd have. I was embarrassed when I thought about it, afraid to tell my wife, knew that people would laugh at me, scoff at me and make fun of me. But from my experiences in life, when they do that, that just means eventually they'll applaud me. Oh, I like that. Eventually, you'll applaud me. That should be your the Meltzer shirt. That should be a, a trademark of eventually they'll applaud me. I'm serious. That's a pretty cool that. little uh, little uh, signature there that you could trademark and get it registered. I want to ask you something real quick. Um, the word value is you think about the definition that you learn as a student, right? I don't know what grade we were in when we learned the value in math. We were probably in fourth, fifth grade when we were, when it was economics, you know, we don't do a really good job in our country, in my opinion, in the public school system. And I'm speaking about public schools because I never attended private school, but you know, we don't learn a lot about finances and financial um, responsibility and accountability in our school courses, in my opinion, which I think that we should but again, they say that if you want to make change, you have to do it yourself. In your opinion, David Meltzer, the word value, you could bring value to so many different parts of your life. If you are in a relationship with the opposite sex or the same sex in today's world, whatever it is, I don't care who you love. 
you bring value to that relationship as a partner in a business or in a partnership, you bring value to that business or that brand. And as a friend, you bring value to that friendship. It's a word that a lot of people let get away from them. And we start to do what I call go through the motions. We get comfortable. We forget about where we came from. I don't know if any of this rings to you in your personal life, but before you take it into the business tycoon entrepreneurial spirit of America level is where we're going today with our talk. What does that word value mean to you personally? You said you have a wife, you're a father, you've been a CEO, you're a friend, you're an uncle, you, you've got all these, these responsibilities in life. What does value mean to you? Well, the two types of value, and they both are different. One is subjective value, and subjective value is found within myself, right? I have a philosophy that you can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you. And subjective value is reliant upon somebody's perspective. So, for example, someone could look at you and I and be like, man, I love those guys, right? And others would say, man, they're awful. So, the people who have a perception inside of themselves we would have a higher value subjectively to those people that don't like us or think that this is a waste of their time. So remember, subjective value is only ascertained by looking within yourself and you can't find outside of yourself what you can't find inside of yourself. So I don't concern myself with other people's opinions. I don't concern myself with their perspective of my value. So value to me is what I can find inside myself. Uh, and that value has to be quantitative, not subjective, right? I talk about in business, the Barney value. It's the purple dinosaur, that cartoon that we watch, you know, because this is how most people do business in the world. I love you. You love me. Nobody makes any money. You know, it's a <laughs> hug and shake uh, business. I'm like, no, let's look quantitatively at something. So I try to give the man-made constructs to value that I can articulate a quantitative value to exceed what I'm asking for. And knowing what people like and don't like, knowing the credibility in which I sit and stand and understand what I'm doing. And you do this so well with your brands, your business, your podcast. I was just blown away when I first met you. And the second time that we got together, I was even more blown away because I said, here's a guy who pragmatically is looking at the quantitative value, understanding how to build a business and provide value. Now, everything will have subjective value and it can be an accelerant, you know, just like money's an accelerant who you are. You know, money's not going to give you happiness, but if you're happy, you're going to be a lot more happy. And if you're sad, you're going to be a lot more sad or mean, et cetera. So I think that we understand quantitative versus subjective value, look within ourselves for what value we can provide to others. And that frequency will transmit and attract more people. And then we get the additive of subjective value for the people that naturally are going to love us anyway way. So you said something in there. I have a couple comments. Um, one, in our, in our country, I don't know a lot. I've been to Europe quite a bit, South America. I don't really know the ins and outs and the intricacies of envy in other countries. Envy is a word to me that really, um, there's been movies about it. There's been so many books written about, I mean, you could add jealousy into that, but envy when you start talking about that value and that subjective value and not really paying attention to what people, um, or when they start critiquing you, you've heard athletes say, well, I don't get up and read the box scores. I don't, I, you've heard actors like get up and read the box, you know, the, the, the Hollywood box of the gross and like what the critics are saying about their movies. It's hard not to care what people say about you is my, is, is my point, David Meltzer. When you start thinking about 
the the haters and how easy it is in our country to hate on somebody hiding behind a keyboard throwing your opinion out there and not being punched in the face for it anymore or held accountable for it anymore like the great mike tyson said people are real tough until they get punched in the face and he also has been accounted for saying you know there used to be a time to where you would get punched in the face for saying the things that are said about people today and and people know that they won't get punched anymore because they just hide behind a fake name on a keyboard and they can critique everything that david Meltzer does even though you're a proven guru or a proven great entrepreneur, a great CEO, a chief executive officer, you're still going to have critics, but you're telling me that you don't pay attention to this. Why, how does hate and that value, and I'm going to this, and this is where I'm going to let you talk. I want to shut up. They always said that you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. I don't know how true that is. Okay. I don't know what that is, but those people have to have some kind of disvalue in their heart or in their mind to send that message. Am I right on that? And is that what you're referring to? Of like, if you can just wake up and type a message of like, you suck, you should not be allowed to make duck hunting TV. And David, you shouldn't be allowed to talk to a crowd because you are, you, you suck at this. What is that all about? How does that form in a person's mind to even send that message? Yeah, so judgments and conditions. Judgments and conditions are predicated upon what you believe you are. So when someone is projecting that insecurity to make themselves feel better, so we anytime utilize a way of separation to feel inferior or superior. So what's even more difficult for people to understand is you know people that throw the, the love at you for no reason. Right. Just they're, they're blowing smoke up your a-hole and you sit there. That's just the same problem as someone that sits there, uh, you know, nonsensically and says, you suck, you know, and they do it all the time. I understand that if you want to be loved, you need to be loved, love, right? I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. And therefore all of those things will come to me, right? Because I used to think you go get love, you go get happiness, you go get health, you go get wealth. See, I shifted that paradigm once I understood I am those things already. What am I doing to interfere with it? See, my free will is to ascertain what it is that's interfering with what I already am connected to and through. See, I'm a person of faith and I don't want to separate people by their different religions because I love faith. Faith is the ultimate GPS in the world. It's what makes that pain a propulsion mechanism, not a stop sign in my life. It's not a pain, right? That, that pain does, does not stop me. It propels me to something better because I have faith that I know what's inside of me. I don't look at the mountains anymore like I used to. What Go over it, under it, around it, oversell it, back end sell it, lie to it, cheat at it, attack it. No, because that which made the mountain that I compare myself to or challenge myself with is inside of me already. That which made the mountain walks beside me. So you, you could tell me that in so many words that any kind of prejudgment or the way that people look at us, because you said something in there that made me think about my personal life. And I want you to educate me on this. I don't like when people make fun of me or talk down to me or be condescending to me. I don't like when people judge me and critique me in a negative way, even though I know that I put myself out there and I'm opening myself up for it. But if I was a student of yours, or if I was somebody that you were going to mentor and I said, but I also, Mr. Meltzer, don't like people to tell me how good I am and that I've built this life and you've done this and you've done that. And wow, look at this. It's like, I don't like either side of the spectrum. So my point is, is I deflect everything. 
I don't know if deflection is positive. I don't know if it's healthy, but when somebody gives me a compliment, even if it's my girlfriend, I almost deflect, oh, you look good today. Oh man, I could get a little bit less of a belly. Hey, what you said in that podcast was so, well, I think I should have said it this way. Does that make sense to you how bad I deflect compliments too? Oh yeah, of course. So what's so interesting is I want to put people into a different mindset, one that this always is within us. So we have these triggers and they're needs of our ego. So the ego has its primal needs. Uh, the primal needs are to fight, flee, fee, feed, and the other F word that Gary Vee likes to say, uh, I'll, I'll hang off of that one, but we all know what it is. Uh, and what happens when you're in primal fear is that the blood actually leaves your brain and it goes into your body so you can fight, feed, flee, or the other F word. You have no blood in your higher power of thinking. So we have to understand, and it's nice that you're aware of it, um, Chad, that you're aware of the triggers of the ego. Because what triggers the ego? Let me explain some of the ways we waste our lives away. The need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be guilty, resentful, separate in any way, superior or inferior. See, the ego says, when someone says, man, you look good, or you're, you're, that's amazing business you've built, you're incredible. All of a sudden, you're triggering the ego because you have a need to be superior or inferior and or separate. You, you want to be a part, and it's a natural occurrence. And so what we have to learn to do is, one, identify these needs of the ego, because we're never going to get rid of them. So every day, I'm afraid. Every day, I'm angry. Every day, I'm anxious, frustrated, guilty, resentful, you know, all these different feelings I have that waste my life away. The thing is, I only want to spend minutes and moments there. So the more I can identify, hey, man, I got a need to be offended, then I can stop and think about, okay, breathe, go back to center. I call it neutral, right? Get back to my higher power thinking. In other words, physiologically, I move the blood out of my body because when you have a need to be offended, you can feel your body start to surge, right? You're an athlete. You know what it's like, you know, that, that goes right through you. It's the Mike Tyson. I'm going to punch you in the goddamn face. If you say that about my mama, you know, whatever it is, then it, by breathing and going to center neutral, I put the blood back into the higher power of thinking, my mind. Now I can roll in the right trajectory. The way that I talk about it is if you identify the fire, right? Meaning the triggers, the people, the places, the words, the attacks that make you feel this way. If you can identify fire, everybody knows when you catch on fire, these triggers put your mind, your body and soul on fire. Stop, drop and roll and you will have just minutes and moments wasted like worrying worrying's another trigger you know worrying's just wishing for what you don't want and it's the biggest waste of time energy and emotion but everyone does it i just try to spend minutes and moments worrying angry frustrated anxious all those feelings explain to me real quick what it means to have the need to be offended i i want to know what that means yeah. So the ego has this need, these needs, right? It, it actually feeds off of these things. And the one of the greatest one is the need to be offended. I always say that if we could feed the world as fast as offense is fed. So when you are offended and have a need to be offended, you could just walk out the door. Something's going to offend you. You give meaning to everything you see. Let me give you an example, though, why it exists within you. If for I'll use myself. I'm very confident in my intelligence. 
So if somebody would tell me, you're an idiot, that doesn't affect, I don't even get mad, right? Like, because I am so confident in my track record from academia to business, to emotional intelligence, adaptable intelligence, that I have great intelligence that I practice and, and, and study myself. So it's not going to affect me because I'm confident in my intelligence. But if someone said to me, man, you got a big nose. Well, now you're going back to childhood trauma right? I'm not a hundred percent secure about my nose. I make jokes about my own nose. You know, I tell plastic surgeons all the time. I'm like, dude, don't piss me off because I'll go around town telling everybody (laughs) you did my nose and I'll ruin your whole business. But like, you know, when someone teases me about my nose, it hurts my feelings. I'm offended Yeah, because I'm insecure about it. Not because it's true. So right? that's a need to be offended though. Your nose is a need. Like it's you, a need, right? Like when you're driving, why does it offend you? Because someone makes a mistake and doesn't see you. I know that's, what's crazy. Like I, <laughs> I came up with this business plan, Dave. Um, and I wrote this entire business plan for this show called Chad Belding's road rage. And what it was, was the, my, um, I wanted my outlook on how dumb road rage really is about uh, of not letting somebody in when they're trying to merge because we think we own the the freeway and highway, the public transit system in the world, right? Like the road rage is me and a guest in my passenger seat every week, windows all the way rolled up, almost in a soundproof car, just talking shit about everybody and everything and everything in life to show that if you just kept your window rolled up and just set it to yourself, the world would be fine. And you still feel the same that you feel without getting a gun pointed at you, without getting in a fist fight, without taking the chance of hurting somebody in a car accident. Like when you, when you, like now I'm seeing it, that need to be offended is almost like, I, I feel like being offended today. This is my road. This is my ego telling me that I was on this first and I was born probably before that 80 year old lady that just made a driving mistake. So I'm going to speed up not to let her in. That's crazy. That's a great point. So let me ask you this. I had a friend. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a friend. Okay. This is one of those kind of analogies. <laughs> Because he told me this way before it happened in my life. He experienced some unbelievable athletic success in his 20s um, where he became world famous national TV, VIP, red carpet, Hollywood. I mean, he he was living it, right? He's gone on to to keep destroying life and business and and his law, his law career. But he once told me, he goes, Belding, I don't know. And this is happening to me now. So I'm asking. So everybody knows that I'm being honest and transparent here. You go into a situation to where, let's say it's the lake. I'm going to the lake today. I know for a fact that tonight there's going to be 30 people on this deck overlooking this great majesty of this body of water in the Sierra mountains of California. I know that these people are probably going to be slightly intoxicated, buzz high on life, friendship, hugging it out. COVID's about laid down and over. Everybody's happy. People see me or they saw my friend. Cause I am asking for a friend and they're like, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you talking more? Why aren't you being more social? But then when I, and my friend does the opposite and we go in and we're like well man you won't believe what i did last week i was fishing with this guy and i was on stage with this guy and then you become the center of attention and i feel weird so now my ego is being shaken because i feel like oh my gosh i got this i got this skin on that i don't want all this attention on me but everybody is interested in my life because it's different everybody was interested in my friend's life because it was different but if he didn't say nothing he was an egotistical stuck up conceited you know what where's the balance dave Meltzer? how do i go in there and somebody goes well what'd you do last 
last week, Chad. Well, I went and did this in Argentina. I was this. It's like not fair. Like, I don't know what to say. Do I lie to him and say, oh, life's cool, man. I just took the garbage out down the street and I, I, I laid on my couch and watched Law and Order reruns. What do you do so the attention's not all on you and you're not in a corner being that stuck up conceited? Does that question make sense? Oh yeah. So I've, you know, I ran the most notable sports agency in the world. So this question has been asked of me from some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment over the last 35 years. Can I interrupt you for a second? Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. When I read this about you, I was blown away. Like everything that you've done in the sports agent world and, and what you've accomplished and how humble that your amount, your amount of humility. It's, um, I think that when people listen to this and when we market this, I want them to really understand what you're getting ready to say right now is because of experiences that have built you into this man that you've accomplished so much. You're not done accomplishing but you also want to help others accomplish. It's a, it's a really hard mindset to break down. So congratulations on that. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Thank you. No problem. So I've learned illumination and, you know, I'll use Bruce Smith as an example. Uh, Bruce Smith, when he got uh, inducted into the hall of fame, he's from uh, Virginia city and they were going to have Bruce Smith day. You know, he's someone that we want people to look up to an extraordinary athlete. And he ends up getting a DUI right before, uh, blew a 0.09. He had uh, glasses of wine and drove. And so he came to me and said, well, what do I say? I said, the truth, we illuminate the truth, uh, but you have to temper it. So what did we have him say? Hey, I want to apologize. I'm accountable for driving. Uh, I had without admitting guilt, right? He said, I should never get behind a wheel if I've had one sip of alcohol. That's what he said. He never said I had too much wine. I blew a 0.0, like whatever it was. He just said, I want to apologize to my fans, my family, my community. And he got out in front of it. So even in this individual microcosmic circumstance, I love to say, hey, illuminate the fact. Look, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I really want to share what happened to me. And, you know, and I illuminate the fact that, look, I run the most notable sports agency. What I'm about to tell you, I said, look, you know, I don't, I, I do, I don't want to separate us in this way, but like something to illuminate the fact that I know that what I'm about to say could be arrogant or separate, you know, that I was hanging out with Warren Moon at a concert and did this. And so if you illuminate it up front and manage the expectations of the people and say, look, I got to share this experience, but look, I don't want to sound like an idiot because these guys I hang out with, you know, the, the, the name dropping I'm about to do. They're just regular exactly. dudes. That's exactly They're what just regular dudes with the spirit of excellence. You talked about George Brett, who I have a great story with, right? George, when he, and I'm older, so he became the first $6 million player. And there's a TV show way back when called The $6 Million Man. So to make $6 million was like a really marketing, unbelievable thing. So he was pulled over in Kansas City with his brother, who you probably know as well, right? They were throwing the champagne bottles out of the limo. They were wasted. And the guest pulled over and he he says to the cop, oh, and the cop's like, oh my God, it's the old days. You're George Brett. You know, he wasn't driving drunk. He's like, look, I know you're celebrating. He's like, I know. Can you believe these idiots pay me to play baseball? I would do it for free. <laughs> so that's a great story. But it doesn't work unless you say, like, you know, George Brett and his brother, you know, and you don't want to sound like the a-hole that knows these guys and all your stories are revolving. Well, the truth is, 
I was a sports agent. I ran the most notable sports. Most of the things I did during the day were the people that are your heroes, right? Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, whether it was Sabathia Ramirez or Aikman Moon or Young, that's what my job was. Just the same way as you might tell me, hey, you know, the guy that was bagging the groceries in front of me today. And the story still has lessons and excitement to it, but we have to, because of our lifestyle and what we surround ourselves with, you got to illuminate beforehand and set the stage like i know this is going to sound like this or let me and it works like a dream then everyone's like what a humble dude but meanwhile you've just gone ahead and elevated yourself anyway so it's about setting the stage up front and not it's not a shameful deal like being ashamed of what you're doing is completely different it's not like somebody says well what what did you do last week and you're like well i you know, I went and stole a car or I had to go to social services because I had an uprise with my domestic deal. It's not about being ashamed, but it's kind of like, man, I don't know if I should say this right now because I don't want to, I don't want the, the, the pendulum to swing to, to, to my friend that I'm asking this for. I don't want the pendulum to swing to that because this story is going to take everybody's attention. It's going to be the most interesting part of the night as far as like what they're what they're been hearing and what they're going to hear i almost david Meltzer, say just i'm not here i'm invisible you know like the kid in big daddy put the sunglasses on and all that like I've, i just kind of want to go up on that deck and be like okay i'm invisible i'm here to have a blast let's toast and we're all friends but i don't want to be asked the question because i don't want the pendulum to swing Right. And you make a great point because beyond illumination of being able to go ahead and create that reconciliation or equality in your story, what the reality and problem is, and I tell my wife this all the time, is I don't want to be on all night. See, the, the minute they find out, you know, Warren Moon's my business partner, or I have three TV shows or the podcast, or, right? Then all of a sudden the pendulum swings and instead of learning about other people and building relationships, which is my objective of being there, because I love to learn about people. I love, I'm a student of human nature. I, you know, human, my mom told me, study history, human nature never changes. And the reason I'm a successful business person is because I understand human nature. The reason I love being on your show and talking to you is that you're successful because you understand human nature. Well, they're robbing that from me the minute I tell them a story about Apollo Ono or whoever else I'm hanging out with or my TV show. Now you get a million questions. You got to be on all night. And when I'm on telling stories, I'm not learning anything. It doesn't, I, I do that all day with you. You know, I I'm, I'm fun and this is great, but I, I got to be on for this interview. I'd rather be asking you like yesterday, the questions and learning than yeah. having to be on. It's almost like when I go to Italy and I'm so excited to speak Italian, but then I go over there with all these Italians that have been to America and they're excited that I'm coming over there so they can speak English. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to practice my Italian. I want to get, you know, you know, chow, chow, arrivederci. You know, I don't want it to be, I don't want to be speaking English right now. I want to be learning your culture, right? And they're always like, well, what's going on in New York? And where you've been to Dallas lately? And I'm like, no, I want to talk about Cinque Terre and the Amalfi Coast and all this stuff. But it's kind of the same thing. You know, when I walk on that deck, I'm like more interested. Let me ask you this, David Meltzer. When you start talking about taking ownership of your life and understanding that you have built, you know, you said that you were already wealthy. I love that line. You were already worthy. I, I love that. 
now you're just not trying to interfere with the process because you have the ability. You've already also stated and admitted that your confidence in your intelligence. I love that. Do you mind if I ask your age or is that a no-no in the sports world? No, you world? can do it. I'm 53. Okay, so you're a very, very young man still. You are exactly seven years older than me. That makes me a young man, which my daughter says I'm not a young man, which pisses me off. Um, <laughs> I got three three daughters and a son, so I get the same stuff. I love it. Um, do you ever have anybody that takes ownership in your life or like plays the role that they are living that life and they get too close, they get too integrated in it, like like they think that your friends are their friends. They call your friends, their friends, just because you introduce that friend to this friend one time. And they, of course they're going to like you. That's why they're my friends. That's my network. That's what I have. That's what I've cherished. That's what I have taken so much pride in my world in the last two decades of building is this network. So have you ever had somebody come in and all of a sudden they're just they're privy to it. They're, they've earned it. That's their friends. Now, when you're not away, they're calling them and they're doing things with that network, but they're not including you. Now, look, I'm asking for a friend, Dave. So have you ever, have you ever experienced this kind of pendulum swing of like, wait, what, what are you serious? You're going, you're going to that party when I just entered, like, you know what I'm saying? Has this ever happened in your life? Because I'm sitting there going, I have taken so many years to develop this network and put so much sweat, equity and passion and love into this. How can you just call them your friends and be there that quick? Does that make sense? Oh my goodness. I literally, and I'm going to, you know, I'm very transparent like you. So I have so much deal flow that I had to take on some business partners in New York because I was flying. We have an office in New York. I live in California. I'm flying back and forth and I got four kids and a beautiful wife. You know, I, I have outkicked my coverage. I will never not take an opportunity to say that I am completely what they call the young kids called sus. Uh, that means whipped, right? <laughs> I, I am whipped over my wife. I've been married 23 years. I've known her since the fourth grade. She hated me then. So I just want to take that moment. But so I start this business and I'm handing off all my relationships, Chad. And next thing I know, like my best friend, Rob Angel, who invented Pictionary, like the dude's a genius and he's super cool, has all the money in the world, travels, like I love him. And he's like, they start hiding it from me. It's even worse than what you say. It's not that I'm necessarily even jealous, which I am at times. And I, I feel like, what the F did I do? I gave away what I worked years for. But worse than that, it turns on me because those two somehow are like, well, don't tell Dave we're doing this because we'll hurt his feelings. Now I really feel left out and they're somehow trying to protect me from a relationship I already had from something I requested of my business partner. Hey, can you handle some of these relationships? Cause I don't have the time. Now I'm in this quandary of insecurity of like, me I'm too. losing my best friend. I Why mean, my he? friend too, my friend too. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but yes, this is a, a daily occurrence for me, a need to be offended or insecure that I have to, to fight with. And I had to actually tell the two of the guys, he said, I know you have a little bit of an issue with me and Rob. I said, no, the only issue I have is that you and Rob think I have an issue. And at times I do get jealous, but it's okay. It just means I love both of you guys and would like to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that that's something to where you, the other end of this spectrum is the financial or the the pride. Let's call this the pride factor in this statement that I'm trying to get. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm learning from you. I love learning from you. Um, 
they take ownership in what you do because they see these touch points, this life. Now, I'm not talking about the relationships or the individuals. I'm talking about what comes with it. Um, there's so much that comes with a life like you've had. You probably have opened, I'm going to say, 500 boxes with signed footballs too, Dave. You probably have a sports memorabilia wall and an Emmy wall and a telly wall and all of the shit that you've won that would blow most people's minds. I've opened so many boxes of just like, are you kidding me? Like I, I have Adam Wainwright's cleats. He wore in the Cardinals playoff game. Walker Bueller just sent me a signed glove from the world series. Like how is this happening? Right? Like that blows my mind, but I also have to sit back and go, wait a minute. They respect what I do and I respect what they do. And I've developed this friendship with people like this, or my friend has. So have you ever had somebody like get too close to the intricacies of your business and the, the relationships built within that of like, all of a sudden they're like taking ownership of those and going after those as well to where you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's not even in the cards here, dude. That's not even fathomable. What is going on here? That would never happen in a million years. How are you just assuming that you can, does this question make sense without me giving you too many more details? Yeah. And people have taken not only that ownership, but also ownership of your past experiences. If there, there's their own to build credibility. So they'll take the stories and experiences that I've had and utilize them along with the relationships to get invited and to get access to get the, you know, they'll call the trainer because I introduced them once and say, yeah, well, David yes. was wondering if you give me those sideline passes to the playoff game or, you know, and, the, and then you hear on the back end, I have a saying, right? The truth vibrates the fastest. Uh, you know, everything vibrates plants, animals, humans, sound, light, and thought, but the truth, the thought of the truth, vibrates the fastest so it always will come out because we're only aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us and it's a really pertinent statement for me because the truth always comes about and it's not only for me to be truthful which I try my best to improve upon being truthful all the time. I'm not perfect. I'm a lot better than I used to be. I don't, you know, necessarily oversell, back and sell, lie, manipulate and cheat like I did in my 20s. Uh, but I still am working on it. But worse, other people's truths come out. And then you're stuck going, mom, my relationship's at jeopardy here because I feel that they're manipulating me, cheating me, lying to me, overselling me or back end selling me. See, that's... So in a nutshell, if you were going to sit me down and put a cold rag on my head to calm me down, would you say the old analogy of let it go, just let it go? Because I'm not saying that there's any viciousness here. I'm not saying that there's any manipulation happening. I want to make that totally clear. Yeah. I'm simply saying that I watch it from the outside of like, you're, you're acting like you're the man. You're acting like you're, this is yours do I just let it go and let them live in that fantasy world or do I step in and protect it? Because I feel that some of my breakdowns in life, my, what I would call quote unquote burnt bridges that I don't want to ever burn a freaking bridge again in my life. I'm in my forties. And I also would love to have another talk with you about, you just made that mention of your twenties. When is this supposed to happen in our lives? When are we supposed to realize what the right way to live is, right? Whether it's health, whether it's mind wellness and psychology and psychological means and your, your, everything that goes on in our system. But am I supposed to just let it go, David Meltzer? Do I just let it go? Because I feel, let me finish by saying this. I feel that most of my burnt bridges are because of my protectiveness 
of this domain and of this brand and of this circle of people and of this network. And I keep getting my arms wider because as I sit here and analyze my protectiveness, it's a lot of protectiveness. And I feel that when something gets up, 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 a hole is trying to be punched in this fence, I almost like go, wait a minute. And I get too bulldogish. And I get too rottweilish and I get too pit bullish. Okay. I get like, like, no, when I, maybe I should just take a deep breath and go, let them live it out. Let them, that's, that's maybe that's just their, their fantasy to think that they're part of it or that they want to be part of it. Because I do understand being a great employee and a great asset to a business and taking ownership, even though you might not be an owner, an equity owner on paper. I do get that David Meltzer. But my question is, am I being too protective? And would you just tell me to leave it the F alone? Well, first of all, you are being too protective. You're wasting energy and you're giving energy for what you don't want, what's missing or what other people want, right? It's a classic example of creating void shortages and obstacles where they don't exist. The key to this is one, we can't tell ourselves anything to change our emotions, but we can take action. That's what will change our emotions. So you can tell yourself, let it go, let it go, let it go. Not going to work. Just like you can tell yourself, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's not going to work. Worrying's wishing for what you don't want. You're actually putting energy towards what you don't want. When you tell yourself, let it go, you're actually giving energy to what you don't want. So what do we do? Here's the actions we take. One, gratitude. Look and find the light, the love, and the lessons in the circumstances pertaining to that situation. Two, most importantly, forgive yourself. Remember, we don't forgive other people because they deserve it. We forgive ourselves and them. We give what we have so that we deserve it. So uh, when we go and come from a place, an action of gratitude, an action of forgiveness, an action of accountability saying, okay, what did I do? to attract this circumstance and what am I supposed to learn from it? It allows us to be inspired when we realize that elevating others by the opportunity we've given them elevates ourselves. that, you know, a lot of times when you've broken these relationships and I have too, I've broken a proponent of myself, an advocate of myself. So although I may not have uh, given permission to a relationship that I had no right to give to permission to or access to a relationship that I had no right to sell tickets to. Uh, but in itself, I've lost something when I break that bridge, because what happens is that person naturally is going to always be thankful for giving the opportunity. Although we may not see it, they're going to speak higher of us then we probably even deserve. They're going to elevate our own brand and our own relationship with the person because they have a need to be guilty, resentful, separate, or whatever it is. Because if they're doing it behind your back, the, the last thing they're going to do is separate by saying something negative about you. They're actually going to elevate your brand as well and make that person want to be closer friends with you if that's what you want or a business opportunity wanting to do business with you more than them. And look... The, the, the law of that vibration speaks to itself. You'll see, forgive yourself, so much happens because we can give it to others. So do you think sitting there right now where you're at in your life at 53 years old and what you've developed and built in your life, your family all the way down to your wealth, do you think that you can honestly tell me with your hand on a holy Bible or your hand in the air under oath of you'll never do this again. You would never make a mistake like that again. Could you say it won't happen again with your, your maturity level right now? 
happened this morning, man, not a chance. I just spent minutes and moments in it instead of days, weeks, months, and years, and I didn't ruin the relationship, right? Part of the cathartic behavior is me even telling the story about my friend Rob and my friend Mike, because I still probably haven't got over all of it, but I'm not going to give it more energy. I'm not going to do what I used to do and destroy a relationship and create, you know, negative uh, snowfall or, or, or momentum that I don't need in my life. I'm here to be of service and of value. And when I'm not, I stop, drop and roll. I tell myself, I don't want to live here. I know it's going to be here every day for me. I'm going to get mad, anxious, frustrated, worried, pit bullish, whatever we want to say. It's innate in my being. I grew up a five foot seven, 147 pound college football player. I had to be mad. I had to be scared. I, I, I had to have a pit bull attitude that I could outwork you. I have to temper that now that I'm 53 years old and I only spend minutes. I call myself a ferocious Buddha, Chad, because people are <laughs> like, dude, Dave Meltzer is so Zen. He's so calm. He's so, and then all of a sudden, you know, the 150 pound, five foot seven college football player comes out and they're like, whoa, where <laughs> you've been? I'm a ferocious Buddha, you know, I and that. I use another shirt. Ferocious. That's another shirt, bro. <laughs> exactly. That, that's a brand I do. I'm building. So I, I, now that you like it, I know it's good. I like that. Um, I know our time. I don't know how much time you have. I know that we always schedule these. I know that you're very busy. We have to get off of this podcast. I would like to schedule another one. I would like to talk about what the word show me the money means, because that is amazing that you ran the company that inspired the movie Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise. Um, that's another topic in itself is just Tom Cruise and the Church of Scientology and what's going on there. That's that's kind of a, a discussion that I would like to have because I don't know a lot about Dianetics or L. Ron Hubbard, but I do know that I've know I've met enough people that know a lot about it that I'm I, I, I question it. And one of my favorite comedians in the world from Boston is Bill Burr and his analogy of Church of Scientology. I'm just sitting there going. Wow, that's a really good way to look at it. So I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not trying to change the subject, but what I'm saying is that you've done so much in business. You've, you have what we call the entrepreneurial spirit. I got to ask you this because of today's world of social media, everybody are the following things, an ambassador, an influencer, a guru, a a uh, critic, a foodie, a somebody that can tell you you should buy this gun because of this when they probably don't know how to load it or wear the holster like this when it looks really uncomfortable where you have it. Um, you, you're, we're living in a world of self-proclaimed experts. And it goes into business as well because everybody has the ability to earn money now just for going out and, and creating this following. How real is it to the Dave Meltzer mindset David Meltzer mindset is yeah. the entrepreneurial spirit, something that can be learned. I'm asking, this is my question. Can it be learned? Do you have to be chemically made up with it and born with it? Or can you become what you've become just through hard work ethic and a business degree, or maybe an Instagram account with 150,000 followers that you can have somebody pay you for saying that this water purifier is the best one in the world because you have a nice body at 150 pounds and you drink the best water in the world? Does the question make sense? Or can we still say that it means something to have the entrepreneurial spirit and it's not just about being an influencer? It takes a lot more than that. I don't know if the question makes sense, David Meltzer. It does. So here, let me break it down real quickly for you. One, 
the common denominator between entrepreneurs, athletes, entertainers, successful, passionate, purposeful, profitable people is a desire that you must be what you can be. So in order to be a great entrepreneur, I can't teach somebody that they must be what they can be. It can be developed, but it, it is a spirit of excellence that some people are just born with. Now, quantum in everybody's individuality, they have genetics. These are, you're born with a certain genetic potential. So for example, if I had a passion to play basketball, I would never be able to reach the skill set that LeBron James. I don't care how hard I worked. I, I know that as a reality, that no matter what, LeBron James would be a better basketball player. Now, where my potential is, I'm not sure, but if I applied the desire that I must be what I can be within the context of basketball, where my quantum nature is not aligned with being the best, now I have this disconnect that confuses people uh, pertaining to your question. So for me, I have a quantum nature to be a great entrepreneur, right? I have great communication skills. I, I've educated and in, in, in intellectually understand it. Emotional intelligence is a core component. And these are quantum in my nature. It's been handed down, right, from four generations that can be proven genetically, great-grandparents, grandparents, that entrepreneurship is born into that quantum nature. The same as I bet LeBron James' dad was a pretty good basketball player, just like he's a, his son's a pretty good basketball player. Well, that's quantum. But the you, the subjective thing I want people to look at is one, when you choose what you want to do and you learn to love it, then apply the why this desire that you must be what you can be. Then you'll learn the most about it. You'll ask for help because it means everything to you, which is a key component to success. Most people are afraid to ask for help, especially if they're quantumly inclined to be really good at it. So we could talk about this next time because I absolutely want to have more conversation, right? I, I made over a hundred million dollars in my early thirties and lost it all. Right. But I know that making money is quantum to my nature and I was able to make it back, but in a different perspective, a different meaning in my life by giving back and by receiving. See, I was too afraid to ask for help almost the entire first half of my career because I thought I knew everything. Now, asking for help is my superpower because I know everybody has these quantum expertise. And I want to surround myself with people like you, Chad, that have your expertise plus the desire that you must be what you can be. I love it. I, I yeah, we're got to do this again because I have this is like a uh, um, this is like a Stanford business degree, maybe an MBA in business in forty five minutes. You guys and girls are welcome. You didn't even have to pay for this. You didn't even have to enroll, go online. You don't have to walk across the stage and get a diploma. Nothing. You just got schooled by the great. David Meltzer. What a great conversation. What a freaking life this man has built, a career. I got so many more questions and thoughts. I appreciate the insight today, Mr. Dave. It's uh, Mr. David. It's a, it's great to understand that we can be better. We can learn. We can be forgiving. We can forgive ourselves. It's life is a roller coaster of peaks and valleys, and it's not easy. That's why I want to take this generation coming up now and shake them and say, look, I don't care how much you, time you spend on that phone or that tablet. Learn how to talk to somebody across the table and look them in the eyes and have a conversation. I have this whole business plan that I want to start this company called Converse. Restaurants and boutiques and tables that bring out the best conversation that you could have. I got. I, I just have. I, I just have this. This a huge passion for learning, being a sponge, 
and talking because I, I know I talk a lot. I know that's a terrible trait, but hey, it is what it is. I'm trying to learn to be better at that. David, any closing words before we get off of here, my man? Just real simply, be kind to your future self by doing good deeds. If you're feeling depressed, anxious, frustrated, angry, all these things, don't talk yourself out of it. Go take action. And the best action to take is to do a good deed. Pick up trash, help somebody, clean your local lake, whatever it is, go hug somebody, smile at them, wave to them. I promise you that action is at the highest frequency and it's so easy to do. So I always leave people with my favorite piece of advice is be kind to your future self, do good deeds, and I promise you'll be happy. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. What a strong conversation. Jack Daniels, thank you for being our presenting sponsor. Thank you all so much for the downloads and subscriptions. Keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support all of our brands here. We truly appreciate a huge thank you to Mr. David Meltzer. Y'all check him out. Where is it at online? Where's the best place? Your website, your social media? Yeah, at David Meltzer. And everybody can email me for, I get my books for free, all the templates of these things for free. David at dmeltzer.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on here. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This might be significant with this conversation. This is a song y'all hear here hear, hear all the time. My man, Leith Lofton, wrote it with my other good friend, Drake White. It's called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone. Tom, Jake, hit that button. Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone